I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. Through this podcast, I aim to empower and inspire jewelry entrepreneurs and innovators so they can thrive by doing what they love. I'm passionate about digital marketing for jewelry brands, and I'm excited to share my passion with you. This is episode 92, and today I'll be sharing my interview with Liz Kantner, a self-described marketer, content creator, jewelry brand advocate, and more. Though not a jewelry designer herself, Liz is passionate about helping independent jewelry artists, especially emerging designers, thrive in the modern marketplace. After graduating college with a degree in marketing and communications and then building her work experience in marketing, Liz took her first jewelry industry job as digital marketing manager for Todd Reed in Boulder, Colorado. In 2016, she left Todd Reed to to launch Stay Gold, which allows her to accept new jewelry clients and work independently. Throughout her career in the industry, she's curated the new designer gallery for JA New York and the designer jewelry section of Premier. In addition, she's been featured in JCK Magazine, In-Store Magazine, and National Jeweler. In this episode, we chat mostly about social media marketing and how independent jewelry brands can be making the most of their social media presence in order to build brand awareness and attract new customers. We cover questions like, what are some ways that a jewelry brand can boost social media engagement? Do you have any tips for keeping a social media feed fresh and interesting? For a jewelry brand that doesn't yet have a budget to spend on paid social, how can they grow their social media following organically? And more. But before we get to the interview, I wanted to share some marketing-related articles and research from the past week that caught my attention. So PR Daily recently published an interesting article about approaching influencer marketing through a PR lens. In order to properly vet an influencer before you work with that person, you'll wanna remember that all reputable influencers are mini media companies, which means they have favorable audience engagement, are truly passionate about their chosen niche, have an authentic, story and a well-defined focus. You'll want to ask the influencer the same kinds of questions you would ask a magazine that was writing an article about you. So for example, do you have a media kit and what's your content calendar? If the person can't answer these questions, then he or she isn't treating the influence as a business. In addition, you'll want to realize that you'll be giving this person full creative control as you would a journalist who's writing an article about your jewelry brand. Do you like what you see? And do you trust that this person will portray your brand in a favorable way? These are all important things to remember when considering influencer marketing. Luxury retail may have taken a hit in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic and uncertainty about what the future holds. In addition, as you can imagine, people don't really have a reason to dress up anymore and show off their latest fashion and accessory finds. The luxury boutique experience now with temperature checking and mask wearing isn't exactly a fun experience anymore. However, McKinsey predicts that in 2021, the luxury retail sector is expected to grow by 1% to 4%. According to an article from BizJournals, quote, 
quiet, understated luxury goods are poised to perform well, end quote. Have you seen Instagram's latest content format called Instagram Reels? In an effort to compete with TikTok, the social media platform launched the feature across 50 countries. It allows users to create and publish 15 second videos using a new set of editing tools. In addition, Instagram has a comprehensive audio catalog of licensed music, so users can include that audio content in their videos without worrying that posts will be removed due to copyright issues. Have you tried using Reels yet? I can't wait to see how different brands start leveraging it. If you'd like the links to the articles I share in this segment of the podcast, you can subscribe to my email newsletter by visiting joyjoya.com slash sign up, and you'll get an email digest with the links every time a new episode drops. All right, let's jump into my interview with Liz. So Liz, what about working in digital marketing for Todd Reed initially sparked your love for jewelry? And what were some of the biggest marketing lessons you learned while working there? So working for Todd Reed was one of the coolest experiences. And um, he had a workshop with 13 jewelers. um, And that number varied over the the time I worked there. But the jewelers he had in his workshop were so passionate about what they were doing um, and what they were creating. And I'd never seen a piece of metal be formed into a work of art before. So it was a first for me. And when I first started working with Todd, one of the first things he said to me was go into the workshop every single day. That's the heart of the business. So um, just being in that studio and feeling all of the creative energies and seeing, you know, metal being transformed into art was just so inspiring to me and being able to share that on social media um, was really cool. Mm -hmm. Wow. That sounds awesome. Now I want to go to the studio and check it out. If you're ever in Boulder, you definitely should because, um, there's like all glass, the studio is all glass walls. So you can see the makers actually making there. Um, but in terms of biggest lessons in marketing, um, was really knowing your brand. I feel like Todd Reed, um, the human knows his brand so well, and he's able to communicate that and translate that to every aspect of his business. So you walk into the studio and you completely understand what the brand is and it matches the website. It matches um, the online presence, the Instagram presence, the social media, all of that. And, um, you know, you just kind of learn the language and you speak the Todd Reed language. Um, so it's just kind of all encompassing his brand. And I think that's why people connect to it so strongly. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I've definitely noticed that about his brand. Whenever I go to his website, there's such website. There's such like a a vibe that just comes forth from from every consumer touch point with Todd Reed. Right, and it's so intentional. And I think so. Being intentional about your brand and really focusing on that before you put any kind of marketing plan into action, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. Great point. So, how exactly did you transition from that position into what you're doing now? Give us some some background about how that all happened. Sure. So um, working for Todd Reed, that was my first job within the jewelry industry, but I had already been in digital marketing for several years beforehand. Um, so I really wanted to consult um, jewelry designers because I feel like um, a lot of designers kind of weren't finding their voice online or understanding necessarily how to use that platform to their advantage. So I was interested in getting involved in that, but the real catalyst for um, moving forward was um, actually a very sad event. Um, Cindy Edelson passed away and there was this kind of of like hole that needed to be filled, um, or at least I, I was trying to help fill it. You know, I was never going to step into her shoes fully. But um, the uh, Jay New York show needed somebody to help with their new designer gallery. And I had uh, in my 
four years in the industry working for Todd really learned about a lot of emerging artists um, and was really passionate not only about the making but these designers who are doing things that were different and kind of coming up and new and I wanted to help introduce them to the industry so it kind of felt like a natural fit and that was really what helped me move to my free, like freelance position. I was consulting the Jay New York show. And then um, my first client was Daria DeConing, um, who I still work with now, um, helping her with her social media. So those two things kind of helped me move forward. Amazing. So I know that you specialize now in content creation and planning, especially when it comes to um, social media marketing. So how do you usually kick off that strategy visioning process with your clients? What's involved in all that? So it's really important for me to fully understand the brand and the inspiration and everything behind it. Um, so it really starts with a lot of long conversations. Um, and I like to, if possible, touch the jewelry, feel it, um, you know, see kind of every aspect of the process, see where they've been, where they're going, where they're thinking they're going, all of that, and really understand what they're trying to say with it. Um, so I work in a way that is very communicative and really collaborative a little bit. Um, I'm trying to translate what they want to say into a medium that they're not super familiar with or they don't know necessarily how to create a strategy for. Um, so it's very much working closely with the designer to create that narrative. Mm -hmm. That sounds amazing. So when you say like you really like to experience the jewelry, um, do you work with clients all over the country? Are they like shipping you stuff to like try on and play with? Like how does that work? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to meet most of my clients um, and have known them for a while or met them at a trade show or something like that. So I've been able to experience the jewelry. Um, a lot of times I do have jewelry for my clients on hand um, just to have, you know, be able to post more and take content. Some of them I take um, uh, pictures for, things like that. Um, and then I also like to wear it about town and, you know, talk about my clients to everyone I meet as well. Um, well, not right now. Um, but, you know, prior to the pandemic, I liked to like wear jewelry and, you know, talk about it out in the world. Um, so yeah, I usually do have some on hand, but um, before that initial conversation, I've probably already felt and touched the jewelry. Uh -huh. So you're really also an advocate too for the designers that you work with. Yes, that's actually in my uh, Instagram bio um, with some encouragement from some people in the industry to include that. I love advocating for brands, um, especially smaller brands. I think that it's really hard to find uh, a voice and a platform, um, and I really like to help kind of boost, boost designers up. Uh -huh. So who really would be your ideal client? Like, who do you typically like to work with? I know you said small independent designers, but is there kind of like a profile that you're looking for? What, who's the client? I'm very into um, really like meshing with a client. So somebody who's like willing to be collaborative and uh, talk about ideas and really communicate well. Um, but in general, um, I like working with women. Uh, that's just something that I prefer working with women, female designers. I think they're so cool. I like to work with designers who have a real story to tell and have a real passion um, and a voice. Um, so that's kind of something I look for as well. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of these clients you have, they're probably smaller businesses, so they don't have like fully blown out marketing budgets. And actually a lot of the clients I work with are like that too. They're new, emerging. They don't have a ton to spend on marketing. What would you say are some important things to prioritize for a comprehensive social media strategy when you might be working with limited budget? 
Definitely. I think that there are so many resources out there um, to kind of help with that. Like Alon Simic, for example, he does a great photography workshop that's relatively affordable and will give you the tools to take that, um, the great photos um, by yourself, um, you know, in your studio. I think that a lot of work can be done yourself with kind of the right tools and direction. Um, and sometimes, you know, I always encourage uh, designers to really think about their brand, even if they're not looking to hire somebody, um, you know, just take some notes and try to understand what you're trying to say and who you are and what your brand is. Um, and you can do that yourself. Branding doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. It really just, it can be bullet points in a notebook. Um, so I think that, you know, starting there and then looking for tools like Alon Simic's workshop, or, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other, um, places out there. I have a Patreon group that's really low price consulting group consulting, um, $40 a month to kind of help give designers the tools to help with um, their businesses and kind of give them some sort of direction before they're necessarily ready for full-time consulting. So there's, I think, a lot of free webinars right now too. So just kind of keeping your, your um, eyes open to that kind of stuff, um, uh, I think is a good idea. But you can DIY a lot of things. Um, and I really am an advocate for designers to really consider trying to get an understanding of their brand and get it moving forward and get some sales rolling before you really decide to hire a full-time consultant. Yeah, that's a good tip. Do you have any exercises that you like to offer people to get them to start thinking about their brand? One thing I find is that people are so close to it that it's hard for them to like step away and even think about it, you know? Right, definitely. I mean, I always encourage people to like get kind of a, a group together to kind of, you know, like, um, again, not right now, not the best example for now, but get some friends over to touch and feel your jewelry, like lay it out like you're doing a trunk show and kind of have them just give you feedback on how it makes them feel or like what they think about it um, and things like that. And use that kind of as a focus group or do a Zoom call, you know, if you're trying to kind of work on this stuff now. But um, my, the, I think the, I think what I recommend first is to think of five keywords to describe your brand, which is kind of um, a good place to start. But again, just like taking a notebook and just writing down bullet points of what your brand is can ju be just as helpful and just kind of taking that brain space to try to understand. Mm -hmm. Wow. Great suggestion. So one thing that I hear constantly from my clients and even people that I have consultations with they struggle the most with engagement when it comes to social media marketing. I mean, some of that is just a result, as you know, of like the Instagram algorithms, you know, kind of limiting reach for some of these designers. Um, do you have any tips for helping designers boost their engagement in a way that doesn't require like a ton of effort on their part? Definitely. I think that the, it's kind of um, a brain shift um, or a mental shift is to think about talking to the followers you have now and don't worry about growing your following. And that's going to lead to engagement. If you're getting the people who are following you now to like your photos, comment on your photos, share your photos, that's great. If you know, if everybody who's following you bought a piece of your jewelry, that's awesome. Um, and that's what you should focus on. And you shouldn't necessarily focus on growing your following because once you get your current following engaged, then you're going to start growing. Um, so I recommend that and I recommend being really consistent. So um, showing up when you can and being clear about that. So if you can show up three days a week, show up three days a week, um, but be consistent. And that always helps with engagement too. Great tips. I like that because so many people get caught up with numbers like follower counts. They're like, why is this not growing? You know, I post every day, but my follower count doesn't budge. So it's nice to hear 
from someone that you don't have to worry so much about that. Yeah, the numbers don't matter. Um, what you want to think about is the interactions, the direct messages, and obviously sales. We're doing this to lead to sales. Um, we're not doing it for vanity numbers. Um, and another tip to get engagement is to really like invite people to message you, invite people to talk to you, and make it clear that you want to have a conversation with them because you know um, people need to be trained a little bit. You might be coming across in a way that people don't feel comfortable messaging you. So that's something to consider and look at. Mm -hmm. Great. Do you have any tips for keeping a social media feed fresh and interesting? I know if you're posting daily, it can be really hard to come up with ideas. So I think that they're brainstorming that's a really good idea. I like to look at um, kind of overarching themes. Like, so now we're, right now we're in August. So now's a good time to really think about the rest of the year um, and especially uh, be thoughtful about holiday and what kind of content you want to be sharing then um, focused on selling, of course. Um, but really thinking about like, okay, so it's August, Peridot's the birthstone. Um, it's summer. Uh, kids are going back to school. Like think about all those general obvious things and then kind of drill down on that. Um, and really be clear, like while you're doing this exercise, have your branding notes, bullet points, whatever that looks like to you next, right next to you and kind of understand how you can draw the line between Peridot and um, your tagline and how you can kind of weave that in. Um, so kind of, you have to be creative and you have to like have room for brainstorming. I also think that um, you know, taking a day each month to like sit down with your jewelry and maybe some fun props and play with um, photos is a good idea too. And that could kind of help get the juices flowing. But I will say that consistency is marketing. Marketing is consistency. These are the same thing. So the content might feel boring to you, but you need to remember that scrolling is just like a blip on a potential client's radar. So you need to like, they're, they're acknowledging your brand for like 0.2 seconds. So you really need to remember that staying consistent, even though you already posted that piece of jewelry 10 times in the past two months, post it again. Oh, I love that. I love, I'm going to quote you on that consistency is marketing and marketing is consistency. That's really that's, good. Yeah, that's really all it is. And it's, um, it seems like sometimes I'm like, this seems like common sense, but you need a nudge because you do get like when you're kind of caught up in your own universe, looking at the same pieces all the time, you do tend to get a little bit bored of them. But here's another um, idea. It's like when you're talking to friends, ask them, um, uh, what pieces they connect to, what they remember from your brand, what they've seen, um, and kind of, you know, I'm, don't lean on your friends too hard, but when you can, use them as a focus group. <laughs> yeah, that's a good tip. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, how has your approach to social media marketing with your clients changed at all? And also with the attention on the Black Lives Matter movement recently? Yeah, so we've had to, at the beginning of the pandemic, we fully pivoted. Um, several of my clients uh, lean on trunk shows, um, and that's a big part of their business. So trunk shows were canceled for several months, um, and spring and summer are a big time to be traveling to trunk shows in a lot of, for a lot of brands. Um, and then, you know, the trade shows being canceled was a whole nother thing. So we had to pivot quickly and really got serious about video content, which um, in the digital marketing world, we've been talking about video content being really important for the past decade. Um, but it really is very important and it's important to show your face, um, and talk to your audience. And especially now, because in the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was kind of like thrown off, 
craving connection. So putting your face out there was really important. And then thinking about alternatives to in-person trunk shows, which is virtual trunk shows. So we did uh, Zoom events and we're still doing Zoom events and then Instagram lives. And then just um, for the designers who didn't want to go live because that is scary and it's, you know, it's a really specific thing. Um, just filming IGTV content. So just any way to get your face out there and show your jewelry without the hard sell. That was another thing was kind of shifting the tone. I never recommend a hard sell, but even kind of softening it even more. Sure. Um, and then in terms of Black Lives Matter um, and um, civil unrest and everything going on in the world, um, I think that it's really important to know where your brand stands. And um, I think that it's really important to think about that if you haven't thought about it before. What does your brand stand for? What uh, organizations do you want to contribute to? And think about how you can do that long-term. Don't think about like a, a one-time donation or one-time solution. Think about what you're, put this into your brand DNA and put it somewhere on your website, a statement about what you stand for. And I think that June was a real eye-opener for people who hadn't done that work. Um, and so really figuring that out and moving forward in a way where you know that, um, I think is a really good idea. Definitely. I want to talk a little bit about paid social media because my clients always have questions about how much should you balance the organic with the paid, you know, how much budget should you be putting toward it? What do you think about paid social media, especially for a small emerging brand that maybe doesn't have a budget? Is it worth considering? Should they hold off? At what point is it the right strategy? I think that you need quite a bit of money set aside to have any effect on paid social media advertising. And I think you need to layer it in with um, redirect ads and Google search ads and stuff like that. So you need a full blown campaign for it to really be effective. Um, I also think that it's a really challenging thing to see results in for fine jewelry. Um, I, a lot of, um, a lot of people searching for independent brands are searching on Instagram and using social media. Um, and unless it's, you have um, engagement rings as a big category of your business, um, it's probably, it probably won't pay off in a big way and lead to sales. In my opinion. Um, I think that if you're considering that and you say have $500 to spend, don't spend that on content creation, spend that on, um, you know, think about doing maybe a small photo shoot or buying props to play around with more content or, um, you know, take a photography class, um, or something like that, you know, um, I think that that's a better way to spend it. I think that you really need to consistently be putting a chunk of money into social media ads um, each month to see results. Now, you mentioned engagement rings or the bridal category. What about that is maybe better suited for ads? So that's something people are searching for, um, I think, in hashtags on Google. That's something that men are searching for. That's something that you're getting a broader range of people searching for. Um, and it's more specific. You can target a little bit better. Um, so I think that those are reasons why engagement rings um, might be a better category to consider when doing social media ads. But I also think that you still need quite a bit of budget set aside consistently month after month to do that. And it's the same. I know print advertising isn't as relevant anymore, but it was the same thing when I was considering print advertising. Um, you want to buy, you know, at least six months in a year to have any effect. You know, if you're just going to buy a one-off one page ad, it's not going to show results. Mm -hmm. That's a really good comparison. Do you have any examples of jewelry brands you think do social media really well? 
Um, so I always use, I feel like I always use this example, but Marla Aaron, I think she really um, is personal and she's always showing up and her product, um, she's showing it over and over and over again and how you wear it and different ways to wear it um, and things like that. And I really um, love a social media brand that is both polished and personal. Um, a brand that I really love that's outside of the jewelry industry that I also use an, as an example a lot is East Fork Pottery. They're local to Asheville, North Carolina, where I live. Um, I love looking at brands outside of the jewelry industry to kind of uh, think about what I like about them and what I think they're doing well. Um, and I encourage everyone to kind of do that as well. Look at high-end pottery, look at high-end furniture, interior design, or things like that kind of that align with what you're doing like in a way um, could be the same client as you but East Fork Pottery has really beautiful polished photography but they're always checking in um, sharing recipes or just saying hello and showing their faces and I think that that's really cool. That's a good tip to look outside the industry. I think there can be kind of like a myopia kind of thing where everyone's just looking at other designers and it becomes a lot of the same after a period of time. Definitely and I think that um, what other industries are doing can really help you your creative juices flow a bit more mm -hmm, for sure so besides social media what are some other forms of content that tend to work really well for jewelry brands and what's the first step for a brand that might want to start experimenting with new content so different platforms to consider yeah so I think email marketing is really important. So if you're asking kind of the two things to focus on um, right now, it would be social media and email marketing. Mm -hmm. And the thing about email marketing that's so important is it won't go away. People's email accounts won't disappear. Whereas Instagram, you know, or Facebook could disappear tomorrow. Like TikTok's going to get banned and, um, you know, you can't, you can't do anything about those things, but email, email is a pretty safe bet. So it's really important to consider growing your email list and focus on consistent email. So I like to recommend two a month, but if you're just getting started, one a month is just fine. Um, and again, if you're not sure kind of what you want your emails to look like or what you want them to say, sign up for a bunch of emails outside of the industry, inside the industry, and kind of just see what you connect with, um, and think about that and then get really consistent about reaching out to your audience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I know I always tell people that, that like, imagine Instagram just shutting down and like, it blows their mind a little bit. They can't imagine it, but it's such a, it, it's possible. There's no reason why it couldn't, you know, it's a private company. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And also having an email, if you're looking at who is a more devoted follower um, or a more devoted fan to your work, email address is number one, Facebook fan is number two, and Instagram like is number three, just because it's easy to like and unlike on Instagram. Mm -hmm, for sure. So we touched on literally unfollow and follow, follow and unfollow. Not oh. like <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I understood what you meant. I'm sure everyone else does. Um, we touched a little bit about virtual trunk shows. You mentioned that a lot of your clients are pivoting to that um, during the COVID-19 pand 